Good morning, everyone. Well, I have this morning something wonderful for us. This is going to perk up anybody. First of all, the colors. Please notice. Yes, the ducks are in the final four for the first time in 76 years. Just had to bring that up, okay? That's, that made my night last night. But this morning, I have homemade chocolate chip cookies. I baked them last night. And I need to find out who I can give these to in the first couple rows, only because we don't have time for me running all over. Yeah, all right. Shay and Hannah. If you haven't met Shay and Hannah, you will want to do that. Here we go. Thanks. Okay, somebody else. All right. Leticia, another good person to find out about after service. Come hear about her trip to El Salvador this summer. Hey, okay. Oh, Lucas, he's wearing the colors. That definitely warrants a cookie. Okay, Marcus. Yeah. Two to go. If you, you need a colored napkin because you've got to wear it for the ducks. Okay, somebody else. Okay, no, you're doing gym with us there, Seth, so you can't have one. Anybody else? <laughs> Do we have someone? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh we got to honor. Yeah, there we go. Sure. I can walk the aisle for this. Oh. Oh, sure. You want to take one? There you go. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, one more to go. This is like a very obedient. Okay, right over here. Braden, I'm so sorry. Really, I should be. Here we go. There we go. Oh, my goodness. That was harder than I thought it would be. Okay. So when we have something... And we decide to share it with others, and we would like to have some of it too. And we start sharing it, and it gets taken, and one by one by one, you get down to like one more cookie left or whatever it is. What are we thinking in our heads? Please, somebody, don't take the next cookie, right? I mean, I wanted one cookie for myself to have with Tillamook vanilla bean ice cream little zap in the microwave, the cookie, not the ice cream. Yeah, that's a great post-church treat. Might not be nutritious, but, well, the thing is, that's the wallpaper that we live in, that's the water that we swim in, that's the air that we breathe, is this idea that if I have something, it's finite, it's fixed, and if I give some of it to somebody else, how much is there for me? Less. There's always less for me if I give. And that thinking permeates how we think about generosity, and it can influence our generosity. But guess what? With God, this is not true, because there are always more chocolate chip cookies or whatever else you might need, because our generous God has an infinite supply of everything that we truly need. Now, I'm not sure these cookies qualify, but these are already given away, folks, just so you know. So I'm not sure the cookies qualify, but he has everything that we truly need. And one thing I know for sure about God today is that he is generous, outrageously so. Now, generous means a readiness to give more of something than is necessary or expected. It's this readiness to give more of something than is needed or expected. And the Bible words for generous or generosity in the Bible, actually, it's not used that often. Instead, these words are used, and they all mean the same thing as generous, is richly, abundant, abundantly, exceedingly, lavishly, beyond measure. 
And they all point to the same meaning. Over the top, above and beyond, more than enough, more than is necessary or expected. In fact, one of the names that God uses to introduce himself to us in his big story, it happens early in the story in Genesis 17. He tells us that he is El Shaddai. Now, we see that translated in other places, Almighty God. But all the scholars agree that that doesn't capture the whole of what's being said there, that actually the name means the all-sufficient one. The all-sufficient one. The one who is more than enough. The one who has more than enough. There is always more. It is not finite. We don't have to worry about giving with a God who is more than enough. So our big idea today is this, that God is outrageously generous. So let's be a community that receives what's given from God and that asks big when we make requests of God and that gives freely to others. So let's talk about that for a minute, God's outrageous generosity. His generosity was expressed from the very beginning in the opening uh, pages of his big story when he talks about the place that he created for the first human beings. It was a garden unlike any place that has ever been since. And in this garden, which was called Eden, it was a place of peace. It was a place of his presence. It was a place with harmony. It was a place filled with beauty. It was a place that was filled with provision. Every element of creation there had what it needed to do what it was supposed to do, to accomplish what it was supposed to accomplish, and to be what it was for others and for each other. This was the kind of place he made for us, us human beings. It, however, did not include rain as the means to watering everything. And I want to know how many of you vote for God's irrigation system, his original irrigation system, right? But especially you might think that after seeing this. Yeah, yeah, I think we can go back to um, the days of Eden. That would be awesome. And in fact, I'm pretty sure Adam and Eve didn't have any pictures like this. (laughs) Us, after working outdoors uh, at a home for one of the Evergreen families a couple weeks ago. But wait, there's more. He didn't just create this amazing place and then put the humans in it, right? Then put us in it. I love that thought, that care, the generosity that's expressed in in the environment he created. But when he saw that the man that he'd created didn't have a corresponding part in all of his creation, what did he do? He stopped and he made a woman for him, a corresponding part, a helpmate, Eve. And... The thing is, from the beginning, he's been looking out for us. From the very beginning, he had our best interests in mind, and he wanted us to have everything we needed to thrive. And I hope you really can believe that today, because our God is astonishingly, outrageously generous toward us. But it even happens when we mess up. And that's hard for us to believe sometimes. You see, when that first man and woman, Adam and Eve, messed up, and decided to go their own way, God didn't abandon them or give up on them and take away everything. He wanted a relationship with them. And so he found a way to make that happen. And his plan for fixing their broken relationship with him and with each other and all of us who followed Adam and Eve 
as that first couple, his plan will stand forever as the most amazing example of generosity that we have ever known or ever experienced because he generously give, gave us his one and only son. That was his answer to take care of our mess. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. And Paul goes on to write in Romans 8, 31 and 32, these words. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? That's a lot of alls in there. We're all included. It is in the person of Jesus Christ that every single one of us experiences the generosity of God in him, in that relationship with him. And our certainty that God is a generous God, it's all wrapped up in the amazing sacrifice that God made in giving up Jesus for us all. It's wrapped up in that. So I'd like for you to just listen for a few minutes, and I'm going to read through a series of verses. It's kind of a survey of the New Testament. I'm not going to give a lot of explanation because they say it. There'll be one statement attached to each. And each of these talks to us about the amazing, generous gifts that we have in Christ when we decide that we want to be with him. So in him, we receive generous grace. Ephesians 1 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. Ephesians 2 7. So that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we have this generous grace, and now he says, through Jesus, his spirit is generously given to us. Titus 3, verses 5 through 7. He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. We've not only been given his lavish grace and poured out generously his spirit on us, but we've also, in him, we've received God's generous wisdom. Colossians 2.3, Paul says it this way, In him, that is, in Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this is why James could write in a much more popular verse that more of us are familiar with, out of James 1.5, he writes this confidently, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So now we're the recipients of his generous wisdom. And then he goes on, in him, that's in Jesus, God has supplied generously all of our needs. Paul writes about this in Philippians 4.19 when he says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. You see, through Jesus, 
We are generously comforted in our sufferings. In those moments when you feel like you're at the end of your rope. In those times in life where you're mightily struggling with something that's happening. And when you feel like you're at the end. Here's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant in Christ. In Christ. Now maybe when you hear this little survey of all of the generous things that God has provided for us in Christ, you might be worried about being left out. Is there an inside and outside group to God's generosity? No, not at all. Listen to Paul's words in Romans 10, 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, insider, outsider. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who will call on him. All who would call on him. He generously gives his riches to us when we call on him. So I want to make this really simple because God made it simple for us. His generosity is only, and I want you, Jesus, away. When you call, it's there for you. He's there for you. He's bringing these things to you. And you can claim that as, in Christ Jesus, this comfort will be mine. And I listen to that. Jesus, I want to receive the comfort you bring. Jesus, I want to receive the strength you, you bring. So the question in just a moment that we're going to ask I want to mention first, though, N.T. Wright's summary in his book, Luke for Everyone, because this is his summary of the generosity of God. He says this, The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious, uproarious, and absurd generosity. God is outrageously generous. But here's the question. So what? So what does that mean for you today and for me today? March 26th. 2017. Well, God is outrageously generous, so let's receive what we've been given today. Let's begin to ask big when we request things of God. Let's go bold and let's give freely. So I want to talk about those three things for a moment and then we'll pray together. First of all, receive what's given. All of God's generosity is wrapped up in Jesus. Jesus is the whole deal. Before you and I even know him, he's drawing us. And I know that many of you in this room have had at least a week of walking with Jesus, maybe longer. But you know, the longer we walk with Jesus, when we look back before we said yes to him, before we really knew him, suddenly we begin to see how he was at work. He was at work loving us. He was at work arranging circumstances. He was at work changing our heart softening us, strangely making us feel drawn toward the things of God. We couldn't even put our finger on it or necessarily even say it in those words. Most of us can see God at work through his son Jesus working on our lives before we even receive him. But when you say yes to him, to a relationship with him, then he sends the Holy Spirit who Jared was praying for us and speaking to us about earlier. He sends his spirit to come live inside of us and we receive everything else that's wrapped up in Jesus. All those things we just read about. We receive all of that. But here's the deal. How many of you know we don't unwrap it all at once? Right? I was 10 years old when I said yes to Jesus. I didn't know much. I knew he loved me and that I was forgiven. And that's, by the way, two really awesome things, right? But I didn't know much else about what was in his package. So 
Let me give you an illustration. How many of you have Amazon Prime? Okay, yeah. Okay, with Amazon, when I signed up for my Amazon Prime membership, I didn't know much about it except that it had free shipping in two days, right? I didn't have to pay, and they'd guarantee it in two days. Okay, let's not get into whether they always uphold that, but... um, They did offer that, and I loved that about it, but I really didn't know much else. But then I learned that it included free books each month, and I loved to read. Then I discovered that there was free music and movies. And then I learned that they actually were giving me space in the cloud to store more of my photos. And then I learned that that they had the Kindle lending library privileges. And a bunch of my family has Kindles, so we were, like, excited because we could share even more Then I learned that it included hundreds of free meals at local restaurants. No. Okay, I made that one up. (laughs) I made that one up. But all the others, all the others are included. It's a great example, though, of we're talking about Jesus Prime here. When you receive Jesus, you get everything else wrapped up in him. In that relationship with him, it's never separated out. It's a whole package. It's a whole person. As Jared said earlier in our welcome, it really is who you know. It's all about the one you know, Jesus. So when you receive Jesus, you get everything else wrapped up in him. You receive a king. You become part of a whole different kingdom with a different set of values. And that it's in the middle of that that you find the comfort that you need in your hardest moments. It's in the middle of his kingdom that you find the hope that you need when you're feeling hopeless. It's in the middle of his kingdom that you find the peace that you need that surpasses understanding and your circumstances don't make sense to you and you can't figure it out and you're facing a problem you haven't been able to solve. And still, that peace, it just keeps rocking your soul. It just keeps settling in. That's what happens when you're part of his kingdom. And it also includes all those promises that he's whispered to you across the years. And when I was preparing for this weekend, I really felt like God wanted me to add that one and to make sure that you know that Paul's written about that too in 2 Corinthians 1.20. He says, so no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And so hang on to the promises that he's whispered to you. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's not a no. It might be a not yet, but they are yes in Christ Jesus. So we ask ourselves, so what are we waiting for when it comes to Jesus Prime? Seriously, what's our hesitation? Why is it that sometimes we struggle to receive what God's already said he wants to give us? I don't know about you, but I've been there. Well, here's the deal. You can't receive Amazon Prime by thinking about it, by wishing for it, by hoping for it, by debating it. And talking about it a lot, you receive Amazon Prime when you say yes to their invitation. And that's the same way that we receive the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And it's the same way that we receive everything that He wants to give us by saying yes to Him, not just once, but every time when He's approaching us, say, Let me do this for you, Anne. Hey, Anne, would you like some of this? And he's there for us. You know, perhaps you've stalled out somewhere along the way in your journey, in your relationship with Jesus. And today you can re-engage with him just the way you started to begin with. I want you, Lord. 
I'm here, Jesus. I'm looking to you. I'm listening. You have my attention. I want you. That's all it takes to re-engage with Jesus. Not a big story. Not groveling. Not all the things we sometimes have to do with each other. God's so much bigger. He takes us back. He re-engages. So God is outrageously generous, so we receive what we're given. And we want to do that more and more as we discover more of who he is as we unwrap him. But we also want to ask big. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus, uh, these words were said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, he generously gives good gifts to his kids when they ask. So Johnny had been misbehaving, and he was sent to his room. And after a while, he emerged, and he informed his mom, I've thought it over, Mom, and I said a prayer. And his mom said, fine, and she was feeling pretty pleased with this turn of events, I might add. And so she said, if you've asked God to help you not misbehave, he's going to help you. And to which her little boy said, oh, I didn't ask him to help me not misbehave. I asked him to help you put up with me. (laughs) You see, that is a child's version of a big ask, right? To a child, that's like the big ask. That's, I'm going to ask big of God here and make my mom put up with me. Help my mom put up with me. Len Sullivan was a church planter in northern Saskatchewan, and like a lot of church planters, he had a very limited budget, and I I lived that reality so I can relate. But he wrote one week in April, they were only down to, they were down to just a few dollars in the bank account, and he said, you know, our usual reaction was to figure out how we could make it work ourselves, how we could get enough to finish the month all by ourselves with their own solution. But this time, however, he wrote, I had a stroke of faith. I went before God and told him that we needed eggs, bread, and milk. And I told him, I'm going to wait for you to respond, God. Well, that afternoon, a man came into his shop to have a tea kettle fixed. And the guy said, I know that I could get a new one for not much money, but this is my favorite tea kettle. And this guy had a fix-it shop, this church planter. So he fixed it. In a matter of minutes, he had the job done. He gave the tea kettle back to the customer And the guy, the customer, insisted on giving him $10, even though he didn't want to charge for it. And he said, no, you've got to take this $10. So he took it. And, you know, that $10 was just enough to buy milk and bread and eggs. And as the guy left and went out the door, the church planner just started talking to the Lord. And he he told God, thank you for providing bread and eggs and milk. And he said, I was feeling a bit proud of myself for living by faith, when he heard God say, don't you wish you had asked for half a beef? (laughs) Have you ever done this? Have you ever prayed a small prayer and wished later that you had prayed a big one? When I say big, I'm talking about requests like asking Jesus to show you who he really is, not who you want him to be who he really is, which is always better than what I want. When I say a big request, I'm talking about the kind of request Peter made when he ended up out of the boat, walking on water, and started sinking as he looked at the storm, and, and he yelled out to Jesus, save me. Have you ever prayed any save me prayers? Right? That's that big request. I've prayed save me from my own stupidity, God, when I've made some really stupid choices across life. 
save me. But big asks are like asking that cancer be completely eradicated, that a marriage is put back together instead of just an amiable divorce, as some are prone to pray. That that mom has a healthy pregnancy and is able to carry the baby to full term and is born healthy. That that person near and dear to you will come to faith in Christ instead of just being a nicer person. There's something bigger out there for them. It might mean praying for that person who's struggling with depression and praying that they'll open up and let somebody know and that God would lift the cloud of circular, heavy thinking that's hanging over their lives and they'd get the help they need. Right now, we've got a guy in the hospital, one of our dads here who's got a couple kids at home and he needs God to help him. And I could pray big, which is God completely heal him so he doesn't have to have surgery. Let this medication work 100%. One thing I know for sure about God, he is generous, so ask big. And freely give. Let's talk about that. Jesus reminded his disciples when he sent them out to announce good news to all the villages around. This happened in Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. Jesus said these words to him. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So this is like a critical thing for us to know if we want to do and be the kind of people that give freely. It's this, that God's generosity is motivated by grace, not fairness. There's a big difference. That's what this freely word is all about. It has nothing to do with a monetary exchange, as in do something for somebody and don't charge them for it. That's not at all what he's referring to. You see, he's asking these disciples, he said, as you go, give as I have given to you. God gives us better than we deserve, and that's what he's asking them to do. Give people better than they deserve. Don't use fairness as the standard. Use grace. That's how God has given to us, and we're sunk without it. I'm thankful that I haven't gotten what I deserve. I've gotten better than I deserve, and that's what he's saying here. So I'd like you to think of the most loving thing you could do for the most difficult person in your life right now. What's the most loving thing you could do for the most difficult person in your life? Think of a person that has tempted you to behave poorly or speak poorly to and lavish your generosity on them. What stranger could you welcome with your generosity? Freely, we have received. Freely give. That was Jesus' instructions to us. Now, Paul experienced this in a lot of places, but no more so than in the church at Philippi. And he recalls how they, even as brand new followers of Jesus Christ, were givers to him and helped him out. Philippians 4, verses 15 and 16, he said this, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. 
it's really not hard for me to see why Paul wrote those words to that church. That book is filled with affection. It's filled with thanksgiving. It's filled with joy. And these gifts that these people probably thought, are they making a difference? Is it really going to make much? My little gift added to this offering or to this gift for this guy? And look what they meant for Paul. Because one of the big things that we face when we think about being generous with somebody is we sometimes think, will it really make a difference with the little I have to give? That's how we think. But it really can. My cousin Terry came to visit us before we planted our church, and we had been married for just a couple of months, and he was only a couple of years older than us, so he was barely started on his adulting journey. But just... A few years before, he began a relationship with Jesus. So when he heard about a church plant, first of all, he wanted to know what kind of plant was that, you know. um, He just had never heard of a church starting from scratch. So he was fascinated and asked us all kinds of questions. But when he, he left, there in our guest room was an envelope in his room with a note to us telling us that he would be praying for the church and that he wanted his gift to be considered a first offering for this little church plant. Now, In that envelope was $20, which today would represent $77.76 money. It would be as though a single guy like Seth over there left that in our guest room and said, let this be for whatever the adventure was, whatever the, the, the mission was that we were on. So Jared and I's response to that, it was so encouraging We are just a couple months away from planning the church. The first dime is ours. We were sent with wonderful prayers. They prayed for us in front of a church and sent us out, but they did not take an offering, right? And so this was just going to be, this is our little faith version with God. And the thing is, that meant so much to us. I can't really say that plus several other gifts along the way in those first few months before we launched were just meaningful, and we've never forgotten them and had the chance to do that for others. So my friend Kathy, I was sitting in her memorial service. She had died of an aneurysm at the age of 47. She actually had become a Christian years earlier in our church plant, and I was there to be part of that service, and she had prayed for her husband to come to faith in Christ for 20 years, and after 20 years, he did. But while she was waiting, he had said, I don't want my paycheck to go toward giving for these causes that you're a part of, including, you know, the church or anything else. It was just his resistance to God. And so she thought, what's a way I could honor God and give? Well, I didn't find out about this till it came time in the memorial service to have friends and family share. And up popped a woman who had been in our church, and she had been the registrar for camp. She had registered all the kids. And she was the only person who knew that this woman had been using the money that she made off the crafts that she made to send kids to camp for 20 years. Even the families were not aware of it. All they knew was they got a call from the church that said, your child has been paid for to go to camp. She found a way to freely give what she had received and still honor her husband's requests as he made his way to the generous God that she already knew. So kids and youth camps and soccer camps are about ready to happen. They're coming up in June and July. And I ask myself, and I hope you'll ask yourself, how could I express the generosity of God? How could I freely give what I've received with my time 
or my talent or my treasure. And I just want you to start praying about that as a church community because you're going to get a phone call one of these days or you're going to hear an announcement from somebody or somebody's going to approach you during the week. And you'll already know what God's asked you to give to help other students and kids that really matter experience camp. So a bunch of us here at Evergreen, and I don't know what the grand total is, it's over 80, we sponsor kids in Chicate, Guatemala. That's the village um, that we've adopted. And this happens to be Jared and I's little girl, Elena. And each month she receives $35 a month help or support that helps her and her family thrive financially, mentally, and physically, and spiritually. You see, it helps her go to school. It helps them have more nutritious food for the whole family, not just that one child. And it helps her grow spiritually. Her school is just getting ready to start a Christian uh, curriculum where she's going to hear about Jesus. That's really exciting. So we regularly get to pray for her, and we get to send little notes to her periodically that are then translated for her. And we'll get to send a package with the, the GO team that's going to go to Guatemala this spring. And that's going to be really excited. And you know what else? We get to help four people on that team go. And I say we get to. So this give freely. You know, some of you, God might ask to help toward water filters they might, you might help with the classroom building costs because we're, class, we're building classrooms there until they have enough of them. And you may be asked to support a Guatemala team. But if any of those things are of interest to you, if God prompts you this next week as you're praying about how you can be the generous person that gives freely, then I want you to make sure that you know you can talk to Rick Sawchuk, who's head of all our missions and outreach here, near, and far, and he'll help you get connected. And then I want to mention another opportunity for you. You see, July 29th, there's a one small step walk run. It's a 5K. It's at Hillsborough High School. And the goal this year is to raise $20,000 for research toward Prater Willie syndrome. And we have a little boy here in our church, and I've mentioned him to you before, Austin Lentz. And he is just a gem. He's like our greeter. He's an all-church greeter. You know, he doesn't know a stranger, just an awesome little boy. And he has this disease, and it includes um, uh, some missing chemicals in their body that makes them want to eat anything in sight, and they can eat themselves to death. But it also includes other anomalies at birth, and it just depends on the child and, and the uh, state of their, um, of their condition, um, what they experience of that. Well, the thing is... This walk is going to help raise research. And this past year, because of the dollars that were given, they made amazing strides in getting to the genetic level discoveries they need to find a cure for PWS. So sometimes you go, oh, well, you know, it's a walk. You know, I'm going to raise $100. Is that really going to help? This is one of those cases where that's how we think. But your participation can make a difference and it's never more valuable than when we can help without ever being known. So I want to encourage you to consider being part of that for Austin, for our community, for the kids across the world who have this disease. God is outrageously generous. So the invitation today is receive everything he's got for you. 
Keep unwrapping Jesus in your relationship with him. If you get stalled out or if you've gotten stalled out, it's just an I want you, Jesus, away. And then, re- and not just receive what you're given, but let's ask big this week. And then thirdly, let's remember to freely give because we've received everything we have, not because we deserved it, but because of his grace. I want to give that to other people this week myself. Would you stand with me? Jesus, we just want to say thank you to you for your life today. Lord, the life that we keep on discovering more of. And I pray that this week we'd each unwrap something new from you. And I pray that we'd see that and we'd be aware of it. And then, Lord, that we would act on it. I pray this week that when we're faced with situations, we'd ask big and not small prayers. Lord, that we'd know that you're the God with an infinite supply. Would you break that scarcity thinking in anyone who's carrying that around with them, Lord? Would you help them to know that you are the all-sufficient one, the one who is more than enough? And Lord, help us to hold our hands out to you this week with everything we have, our time, our treasure, and our talents, Lord. And would you be speaking across the church and speaking to people who, what they're supposed to do to give freely in your name? And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.